Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. We've had some big news in the streaming space over the last couple of days, so we're going to cover Amazon's acquisition of MGM today, and we'll also be talking about the broader streaming landscape in general. It is a fascinating industry. It's changing the way media is delivered to the end consumer, and I think it's a good thing to look into for about an hour, don't you? Yes, I do. Uh, it's a beautiful morning here on May 27th, 2021, uh, here in beautiful Colorado. How are you doing this morning, David? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing fine. Nice. Well, yeah, I suppose one of the reasons we chose this is because yesterday, Amazon bid $8.5 million for MGM. Um, so now they own Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and the library. Um, so I think the reason why is probably to have all that content. But also there's still uh, talented executives and producers at MGM that can help them create new content as well. And I think I think uh, just that act of purchasing MGM uh, actually raises a very good, very good uh, uh, change in our culture, change in the future, uh, and uh, the streaming is here. Mm -hmm. Streaming is here to stay, and streaming is going to change the landscape. Uh, streaming is going to change, uh, but boy, uh, how much everything is going to start changing because of live streaming. Yes, and it's a complicated web of subsidiaries and companies that own other companies. And I think that's another thing we're going to look into today because I just find it all very fascinating. For instance, I was reading an article about the merger between Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Amazon, or the acquisition. I don't know if it's a merger. It's more of an acquisition than a merger. Um, and two of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's most beloved movies... Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz do not belong to MGM anymore, even though MGM produced them. You know, you got the roaring lion at the beginning of both of those movies. But in the 90s, when Ted Turner was trying to build his television empire, he secured the rights to those two movies, and they ended up in the hands of Warner Media. So even though the Warner Brothers shield doesn't appear on The Wizard of Oz or uh, what was the other one I mentioned? Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind. Yes, Warner Brothers has the rights to those. So if they're going to appear, they'll appear on, I believe, HBO Now because that's the Warner Brothers streaming service. So you, you're starting to see every individual studio or every individual network have their own streaming service. So you have ABC. Well, that's Disney. ABC is owned by Disney. So you have Disney Plus. You have CBS. That's CBS Viacom. That's Paramount Plus. Uh, you have NBC. That's Peacock. Uh, and then what about Fox? Well, Disney acquired 21st Century Fox. So a lot of that famous content like The Simpsons is available on Disney Plus. And so it's, it's interesting that you have, I'll t we'll go to the graphic here in a moment. Uh, this is, I don't know if this is the best visualization, but a market share by, is this subscribers? Yeah, I think um, this is subscribers. By subscribers? And Netflix is number one, and some of these others are much lower, but they're new, you know? Like Paramount Plus is brand new. And Peacock's not even on this. Oh, there, no, it's not. Um, but... I Googled it last night, and Peacock is 45 million. It's, it's up here with, you know, Hulu. So, so I think that we need to go through one by one and take a look at this stuff, because I know that you ask about it, and it is very confusing, don't you think? Uh, oh, it is to me. It is confusing. And uh, as I mentioned to you before, David, it's hard to, make, hard to keep everything straight. Mm -hmm. This person, you know, this is querying this, this is querying this, this is querying this. And I go, wow, that's confusing. But then I back up and say, oh, this is fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's happening because uh, this it's a scramble for the future. Yeah. And uh, and it's this is going to be this is going to change the landscape 
not just entertainment. Uh, we were talking about this last night. Not just entertainment is going to change so many other things because of the capability of live streaming. Yeah. Um, and MGM, I was telling you this last night. It's like, why would they pay more? That's that he paid more. Or he, Amazon paid more. It's not like Jeff Bezos is opening his own wallet and buying MGM. It's a strategic decision for the corporation of Amazon. Why did they pay more than market value? And I was telling you, it's because streaming is here to stay. And you can't make movies from the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. And people like those old movies. Well, you know, you could throw money and have new movies coming out all the time. You could have new television series, new uh, original movies. And that's great. But you'll never be able to have... This is one of your few shots to have such a huge library of old movies and television shows. And if you don't get it now, it'll be more expensive in the future. Also... All of that, all of that expertise and knowledge and history and experience over those years uh, resides in these companies. Uh, you can't, you just can't go and buy them at a store. You have to buy them in the company. So the acquisitions uh, create. You're buying a lot of intellectual property as well mm -hmm. and, and capabilities uh, because that's the future uh, for entertainment. Uh, but the streaming is. So they have they have the, the the streaming, but then they have they're buying the content and also the ability to produce content, mm -hmm. and so so they have the history, but they have the ability so they can create their own content. Now, yes. I, to, to me, that's what that's what that's what I hear. Is that is that close to right? What, I th I think so. Yes, they. I mean, they want a big library, but when you buy MGM, you get a library of stuff that people are familiar with, and so. That's a 2,000 movie. I forget what they said, 4,000 movies and 17,000 individual episodes of TV shows or something like that. But that's all stuff you don't have to produce. Right. Um, and there's a finite amount of existent Hollywood films. So for your streaming service, you kind of want to own the rights to some of them or else you're going to be paying licensing fees to Paramount or Warner Brothers for every single thing that you show on your streaming service. And they'll make sure that they're making a profit. So I was thinking we could go through and take a look one by one. I'm, we may leave off some of the... I, no, we could, we could do Spotify as well. But let's go back to this graphic. There's a graphic here. And I don't really... Do you understand why I'm not really the, all that jazzed about how it's laid out? <laughs> yeah, because it... It emphasizes the top three or four. Uh-huh. And then the ones at the bottom kind of get lost. Well, but let's start with the biggest one, Netflix. 204 million subscribers. I want to verify that. Let's see here. While you're doing this, I'll just go, go ahead. While you're finding it, uh, popularized video streaming and it has uh, solidified the world's largest subscriber base through growth in reach. 190 plus countries and in content, 70 original movies in 2021. Okay, so yeah, Google is saying 207. This graphic is from earlier this year, March of this year. So it's saying 204. So that stands to reason, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's how fast they're growing. Um. So let's take a look at their Wikipedia page. I don't, I, they're they all called over the top content platforms. Over the top media service is a media service offered directly to viewers via the internet. Okay. That's a weird, don't you think that's a weird, uh, all of these streaming services, they call them OTT service, over the top. Okay, mm, yeah. so, so they are the distributor, I guess, or, you know, so for a movie studio, they'll pay, partner with distributors to get it into theaters, because, you know, the films had to be physically delivered to all the theaters across the nation. Now right. they don't need a distributor, they are the distributor. Right. So Vert vertical integration. Why, when you have so much money, why pay people to do things you can do? Mm-hmm. Because then you bring it in, bring it inside. That way you can have control of it and also a lower cost. It is so. But also, also grow. It's so crazy to me 
2013, it debuted its first series, House of Cards. It's just, it's hard to imagine that just seven or eight years ago, Netflix had never made a single series. Because you think of everything they've done since then, they're spending money hand over fist. We saw a video clip yesterday that said they're spending $17 billion a year on content. Well, I mean, that's that makes the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer acquisition not seem that big. $8.5 billion for MGM. Netflix is spending $17 billion a year for their content library. Wow, yeah. Um, so we can take a look here at the subsidiaries and see if there's anything we know. This is just their, you know, Netflix Luxembourg, Netflix Germany, Netflix UK. Because if we take a look at a Amazon, obviously Amazon Prime Video is a subsidiary. But if we go up to Amazon Incorporated, which is the second biggest, and we go to a list, it's tough to pull out the ones that are streaming related because Amazon owns a pharmacy. They own publishing. They own Whole Foods. They own Twitch. So it's tough to say, oh, they also own MGM. Do you see what I'm saying? Because they're, yeah. such, they're a conglomerate, it's difficult to sort of wrap your head around all that Amazon owns. Mm-hmm. So this Wikipedia says they have 175 million users. Now, one of the things about Amazon Prime, uh, which is up from the graphic, is you don't just get access to a video library. You get two-day shipping on everything that Amazon sells on their store. Right. And, and so the, the video library is almost the second fiddle to what you get when you pay your $8.99 a month. The two-day shipping is... It pays for itself, and the video library is gravy. But I've been watching more and more Amazon Prime Video. I think it's a great platform. It's up there with Netflix in terms of quality. And it's fascinating to think the crossover and the complementarity between the streaming service and the the uh, logistics logistics of Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, like what crossover would there be? Uh, there's going to be there's going to be a, a coordination and crossover of the image of Amazon. Yeah. They they not only uh, entertain you with with uh, uh, content, but they also service you with uh, delivery of uh, goods mm-hmm. and services. It, it's remarkable how how uh, you know how how diverse can you be and how big can you get. Until uh, people start wondering how much power do they have. Yes, well, this is the interesting thing, like you're saying, the the vertical integration. I joined Prime because I wanted to furnish stuff for this studio where I broadcast from. And if you need a special connector for an audio cable, you could go to Guitar Center and they might be out and you could ask them to order it and wait three weeks and then pay. Or you could pay 75% of the cost that you'd pay at Guitar Center. And order it from Prime, and they'll ship it to your door in 48 hours. So, I mean, Prime is a godsend when you're doing anything technical because you typically need pieces that they don't stock in stores, but Amazon has everything. So I've used Amazon for years. For six, seven years, I've been a Prime member. And I love the fact that anything you want, you can get on Amazon. But more and more, I've started watching the Prime video, um, which is another reason to keep Amazon Prime. But then we also purchased, when we got a TV for your house, uh, replaced your old TV, we got an Amazon Fire TV because unlike some Roku or some of the other, I already have all my, Amazon already has all my information. So it was like, well, if we get the Amazon TV, I mean, they've been a steward of my payment information for six or seven years, I've never been screwed over by them. So why roll the dice with the new company putting in all my information when I could have Amazon be the like the, the controller of that information on your, your home TV? And so we've purchased programs, and I get a little email, and it's like, you just purchased this program for 20 bucks. And it's like, yep, that's me. But 
I know how Amazon works. It's a reliable system. They've never played any funny business with my money. And so not only are they my store of first resort when I need something technical, they're also a streaming service I watch. And then when I go into the store and I see, oh, this is an Amazon TV or it's it's a Toshiba TV, but it's got the Amazon software, I say, I'll get the Amazon software because I'm familiar with the brand. That's right. And you trust it and it's reliable. It's been reliable in the past and that would uh, make you believe that's going to be reliable in the future. Mm-hmm. And now they're shifting from, from logistics uh, to entertainment. Yeah. More and more in, into entertainment. And they're going to start making original content. Yeah, their their original content is, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. There we go. I'm more framed up now. I was a little low in the frame. It was driving me crazy. Um, oh, there we go. So, yes. So, we have Prime Video, which is the number two to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Now, Netflix always seems like what people think of when they think of streaming. But with all these streaming services coming out, there's a lot of competition. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. We can see that in this graphic. Yeah, let's go back to the graphic real quick. So the next highest in terms of subscribers is Spotify. I feel like that doesn't uh, count as much because it's more audio. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. Yeah. so it's a different platform. So if you look at the black on this graphic, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, I don't know what this is, Sirius XM, those are, that might be Tidal, I don't know. But those are all music services. That's different, I think, than video. I think we're mostly focusing on video today. And yet Spotify, Spotify has dipped their toe, more than dipped their toe, into the world of podcasting. They've acquired the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, which is one of the largest podcasts in the world. Let's take a look here. I think they paid him $100 million for it. And now, not only can you listen to Joe Rogan on Spotify, but the video, like our video on YouTube, is... for the full episode is exclusive to Spotify. Now, he Hmm. used to just release the videos on YouTube. But when he signed the exclusivity deal, now Spotify, it's sort of also a video platform now. And they're aggressively targeting exclusive deals with very popular podcasters. And then it becomes, we'll deliver the full episode and video and we'll deliver clips. And if you like podcasts, just stay within the Spotify app. So they're mm-hmm. sort of becoming a, uh, they're sort of becoming a video company, but their content is forced uh, f- focused around the most popular podcasters of the day. Fascinating, mm-hmm. huh? It is, and so it's not only entertainment. Well, entertainment takes different forms. I think podcast. Well, podcast has been around longer than than video than uh, movies because mm-hmm. we had radio. Yeah. And so uh, people like to hear people talk because uh, that's how you communicate. It's all, it's all communication. And uh, the communication is a form of, there's a part of communication that's entertainment. So uh, that's a good reason why Spotify is up there. And uh, I think it's fascinating. The next highest down here is Apple Music. And, uh, and, uh, so, yes, the video is will grow faster than audio, but that doesn't mean audio isn't important, too. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, with Netflix, Prime Video, and Spotify, you can see the importance of video and audio. They're both important, but that's kind of always been the relative importance once TV came uh, back in the in the 30, back in the 40s and 50s. Once TV came on on the scene, uh, it it did overtake audio, but the audio still hasn't gone away. Yeah, video killed it's, the radio star, right? Well, the, yeah, yeah, but uh, the the radio star became the video star, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean radio went away. Uh, the star, the radio stars were different then, 
It was all about what was being said, not necessarily the, the drama. It's fascinating to me that in this world of cell phones, let me just use a visual aid. You got a cell phone and you got the kids. Hold on. Let me sound like an old man real quick. <laughs> got the kids constantly doing the ticking and they're talking. And the new content comes on the screen every two seconds. And their faces are constantly buried in their phone. And that's visual, visual and audio content. When it comes to audio content, one of the most popular things, of course, is a streaming service like Spotify where people can hear the latest music. But they've also noticed people like long-form commentary in the form of podcasts. So these same kids that will TikTok and they need to watch a new video every 10 seconds, they'll also, and I think that older people like podcasts too, throw on a pair of headphones and go for a walk or do the dishes and listen to long-form, what essentially amounts to radio content, for 45 minutes or an hour. And that's sort of fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Now, what I don't see is I've never fired up a podcast with video on Spotify. Uh, does that make sense? So, like, I'll watch clips of podcasts on YouTube, but I always think of Spotify as an audio-only platform. So if I'm mm-hmm. going to listen to a podcast... I actually don't use I don't use Spotify as my podcast app, even though I'm a paid subscriber to Spotify. I tell Google, I give it, okay, Google, play me my podcast X, Y, or Z. And it's like, okay, fetching that. And of course, Google fetches it from Google Podcasts because they prioritize their own service. But I would rather do that when I'm walking. Say, oh, play me Hidden Brain. I like Hidden Brain. Or play me This American Life or something. And it's like, oh, we'll fetch that and play it to you. And of course, it's going to fetch it from itself. It's going to favor its own platform. So I actually, even though I'm a paid subscriber to Spotify, I never listen to podcasts on Spotify because I just tell my phone to play the podcast and it fetches it from its own platform. So -hmm. it's kind of fascinating how that works, don't you think? Yeah. So one thing is is the content. The other is the access. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you focus on ease of access, ease of acquisition. Ease of engagement. Convenience is a big thing in tech. The more convenient you can make something, the more likely people are to use it. And you were talking about this the other day, yesterday, how, you know, you buy the Metro Goldwyn Meyer Library and you pay $8.99 for Prime Video, or for Prime, a month, and then all those movies are available, uh, essentially, and then they don't become pieces of art, they become commoditized. Like, oh, I'll spend $9.99 for this one because there's 20,000 movies. Like, you can't watch 20,000 movies. You know, you can't watch that in your whole lifetime. But it's like, oh, that library is bigger. I'd, I'd prefer that streaming service. It's like, okay, I mean, it's a selling point, but it's not a, a practical selling point. There's a finite amount of time you have to watch stuff. It's a commodity because uh, they're interchangeable and you have a uh, the greater the quantity of those of that commodity, the value, it's not the individual content. Now, the individual content needs to be good. Uh, uh, even if it's if it's bad, it'll de- erode the quality of the commodity. Uh, but as long as the commodity has the same amount of quality, okay, uh, then that the larger that group, that's the value in streaming. Because that that subscription then will allow you to have access to all of those all of that content and all those items. It, it's very very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, is one better than the other? Yes, for me. But for the next guy, uh, another one's better than another one. And so, they're all of equal value as far as monetary value, but they all have different value to the to the actual uh, user. But then that doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. because you pay a subscription. We all pay the same sub- subscri- subscription. And to the point of the company that's sort of switching up their business model. So I think we can now discuss a company that did switch up its business model. Very much so. Disney Plus. You know, Disney is the oldest. And oh, where did it go? It went away. 
It's one of the oldest media companies. It's a sixth one down. Um, and it's brand new. I mean, it premiered 2019 at the end of 2019. It's only 18 months. Yeah. And they say now it has 103 million users, which, of course, they said it had how many? 95. Okay. So I think this graphic's pretty good. Yeah. Well, the graphic was back <clears throat> was uh, February of 2021. Mm-hmm. And as of now, that's how much they're growing in months. Yeah. You know, and when when I was young, things changed over four or five years. Today, they changed over two or three months. Well, if you look at uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg's attempt, do you know what Quibi is? No. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, let's look him up. <clears throat> He's a film producer and media. He was chairman of Disney from 1984 to 1994. Well, he got all of his rich buddies together and he said... I'm going to start the new hot app, the new hot streaming service called Quibi, which is the dumbest name I've ever heard. It's for quick <laughs> bits. And what it did was it paid celebrities to make content for the platform, and it was all in portrait mode. So it was all 9 by 16, not 16 by 9. Does that make sense? So like you'd mm-hmm. see it when you filmed on a cell phone like this. Mm-hmm. So all the content was like that. And everything was less than two minutes. And it's like, it's the perfect platform for a world on the go. And it released, I think, March of 2020, <laughs> right when the pandemic hit and the world stopped being on the go. It failed miserably. Oops. And went out of business. I haven't heard of it. Oh, well, yeah, that's a uh... quibby. Quick Bites. It's a dumb name, don't you think? Quibi raised $1 billion in funding from major Hollywood film studios, TV companies, telecommunication companies. So the guy knew how to, how to bring in the bread. He did not ha- time the market that well. As yeah, you- but <clears throat> who knew a pandemic was going to hit, though? Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people said the fundamentals of the app itself were... It was like an old guy trying to make a TikTok. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. So it's like kids wouldn't have been attracted to this, and they were spending money on print and television advertising, and like kids don't watch television. or So it's like young people wouldn't, wouldn't really adopt this. And it was for you know young people, I guess, because you're on the go and you're watching content on your phone. But they didn't really offer any advantage over YouTube or Instagram or, you know, the, 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 it didn't really sort of capture the landscape. So how long did it last and who, who actually used it? It would, be a, I, it would be a good information. So I think they have some download. Um, let's see here. Information. Launch. April 6th, 2020. Yikes, right? Wow. Uh, talk about bad timing. Yeah. It was the 11th most downloaded app, but the thing is they spent uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars on advertising. Yeah. Fell out so of the that- top 50. By early May, it was ranked 125th one month after the launch. Wow. 1.3 million active users. Jeffrey Katzenberg said, I attribute everything that has gone wrong to coronavirus. Which is probably true. It's a a good uh, excuse, too, you know? Yeah, I would say everything. But it, it is a good, that's certainly part of it. It's basically like I had a dumb idea and I wasted all of my friends' money, so I blame it all on coronavirus. That's basically what he's saying, right? Yeah. Just not my fault. Shut down. Six months after launch, the streaming service shut down. Six months. October. There you go. 
Now that is an example of something that launches and shuts down six months later because it's costing hundreds of millions of dollars to run. The counter example is Disney Plus. It's been 18 months since it launched and it has over 100 million users. And I mean, we're Disney Plus subscribers because Laura likes the Disney content library. It is, um, I mean, there's some good stuff, you know, there's some good stuff on Disney Plus and you get access to all the Disney classics, all the Pixar movies, the National Geographic stuff, the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies. They have a good set of properties to offer you. And they're pushing out original content, whether that's the Mandalorian with their Star Wars properties or WandaVision with uh, the Marvel properties. They're doing original shows now. And they have talented people to make the shows. So the shows, they look good. And, I mean, a lot of people say the Mandalorian show is more entertaining than the movies were. They did a better job with the Disney Plus shows than they did with the Hollywood movies. And we saw during coronavirus during COVID-19, Disney was releasing their first run animation, whether that was Mulan, the live action Mulan, or this Raya, or the movie Onward, or Soul, the Pixar movie Soul. They were releasing them straight to, to Disney+. Plus. So that sort of turns their whole distribution model on its head. And I don't know, I found it like... Pretty amazing that they were able to sort of pull this off. But the thing is, they clearly didn't say, oh, you know what people want? They want to watch videos in portrait mode on their phones. They said, we have a brand that we've built over 100 years. We have Mickey Mouse. We have Marvel. We have Star Wars. We have all the Pixar creatures. We, we have a lot of good stuff. We're going to bundle that all. We're not going to license it out to Netflix or Amazon Prime. We're going to be the masters of our own destiny. We're going to charge people $7.99 a month to have access to this library. And people like that because this is why the corporations like it. If you have 100 million subscribers paying $8 a month, you're making $800 million a month. Or, yeah, you're making $800 you can You can target your revenue. If you have a licensing deal with Amazon Prime, you don't know what they're going to offer you when that deal expires. They may say, oh, you're, you're, these movies were underperforming. We don't want them anymore, so we're going to renegotiate our licensing deal. This is, no, we have the whole library, and we can accurately forecast how much money we're making. Yeah, you were saying that last night where you can release a movie, and it may go big, it may not go big. Uh, but when you release release it within part of a streaming service, then basically you're just enhancing that streaming service a lot or a little, but it pretty much uh, equals every, equals everything out. It's it's a very robust model of growth, mm-hmm. and so you're just building your equity. You're not trusting each individual release. You're looking at the release as part of a of a of a of a package. Mm-hmm. Again, you're enhancing the subscription. And whether you watch it or not, and whether you like it or not, in, in the mind of a consumer, they'll say, oh, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, and it's growing, and it's growing. I don't want to watch it. I don't like that. But it's growing. It's growing. And so you're part of something that's moving and growing. And that, that image, I think, is, is, is very smart. Yes. And it's, and it's working. And I think it's interesting to point out that uh... – um, I'm bleeding through on your speakers. I think oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. That was the first time I heard it all all episode. That Disney Plus has been around. Let me oh transition. Disney Plus has been around since November of 2019. They launched just in time for the holiday season, mm-hmm. and they have a hundred million uh, subscribers. Uh huh. If we go back to this. Netflix has first mover advantage in the space. They've been around since 1997, but streaming service since 2012 or whatever. They had a nine-year advantage. They just have double the subscribers. Yeah. I, that's uh, pretty impressive for Disney to sort of come up that far and that fast. Yes. 
Well, one, they have a lot of recognizable movies from from Snow White on. Uh, and two, they have an image of of putting out good movies and good content and in in the in a space that's uh, family friendly. And that's so building on their image. So they have a good brand. Why should uh-huh. they license that brand to Amazon or Netflix? Why shouldn't they be masters of their own destiny? Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Now we can move on now. Disney Plus is a big guy. They've shot past, if we look at this graphic, Hulu, which is one of the older streaming services down here at 39 million. Now, I always was very confused because Hulu uh, jumped between owners a lot. So let's take a look at their who owns them. Sound good? Okay. Hulu was initially established as a joint venture between News Corporation, which is Fox, and NBC Universal. Providence Equity Partners, I don't know what they are, and the Walt Disney Company. Um, so Fox, ABC, and NBC, basically, because Walt Disney owns ABC. And it was designed to put recent uh, episodes of television onto the internet in 2010. Hulu became the first streaming service to add Plus to its name when it launched a subscription service. Um, Time Warner later held a stake in the service. So basically everyone that has their own streaming service has owned a piece of (laughs) Hulu. Now Uh it appears as if Hulu is owned by the Walt Disney Company. Hmm. So that's kind of fascinating. And this is an interesting caveat here. One of Hulu's biggest shows is The Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. And that's produced by MGM Studios. So will The Handmaid's Tale stay on Hulu? Or will that migrate to Amazon now that Amazon's purchased... MGM, and will that cause people to subscribe to Hulu less? Yeah, maybe. Disney ownership. Okay, so Disney acquired 21st Century Fox in 2017. That made meant that they acquired the 30% stake that 21st Century Fox had in Hulu, and the deal resulted in Disney having a controlling interest in Hulu, 60%. So Disney is the majority owner of Hulu. This is why I'm so confused. So why is it separate from Disney Plus? I I guess I don't understand. So the content library on Hulu is uh, not just Disney Disney. stuff. It's not Disney friendly or something? It's not not the same image of Disney? Yeah, so like Handmaid's Tale is one of their... Yeah. uh, And Handmaid's Tale is the most bleak, depressing show you've ever seen. (laughs) programming so okay yeah Hulu carries shows from A&E Big Ten Bravo Fox Sports FX PBS so Hulu carries shows from a bunch of networks that are not Disney Mm -hmm. Um, so Hulu's a little confusing because Time Warner owned a piece of it Fox owned a piece of it NBC owned a piece of it now Disney owns all of it and yet it's like Disney Plus for stuff that's not Disney. <laughs> so it's all very confusing. And I think what the interesting lesson is, is it's been around since 2010, and it has 40 million subscribers. I wonder if they're loyal subscribers, and it's like, well, they're not going to migrate, so we have to keep Hulu alive. That's a lot of subscribers. Yeah. And um, so Disney owns Disney Plus and Hulu, And then let's just talk about three more, okay? Okay. The next is HBO Max. So do you have it in your head who owns what? I think so. Let's go through. Who owns Netflix? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Netflix does. Netflix owns Netflix. Netflix owns Netflix, yeah. Who owns Prime Video? That's Amazon. Mm-hmm. 
Who owns Disney Plus? These are easy. Disney, yeah. Now, who owns Hulu? Disney does. Disney owns a majority, 60% of Hulu. Now, who owns HBO Max? Uh, I'm reading it here. I don't know. It's Warner Media. It's actually owned by AT&T. Wow. Huh. AT&T owns the Warner Media Library. Warner Media. So that's basically Warner Brothers. So if you start thinking about MGM going to Amazon, that's a big production company. Well, what's another big production company? Warner Brothers. Well, that's yeah. in the hands of AT&T and HBO Max. Um, and then Paramount Plus. Do you know what Paramount Plus is owned by? Um, Paramount NBC? No. No. You're close, though. It's the other network. CBS? CBS Viacom. Viacom. So Paramount Plus was CBS All, All Access. It's operated by Viacom CBS Streaming, a division of Viacom CBS. So they have the Paramount Films Library, plus all the shows from CBS, um, and all the Viacom shows, which is a lot of like MTV content. I believe they own Star Trek. That's one of their uh, sports. And so they have a content offering. And the last one we can talk about is Peacock. Do you know who owns Peacock? No, that's NBC. That's NBC. Um, the Peacock is their logo. Mm-hmm. And that one's not on this because it's so new. So this is from February 2021. Um, wow. But it says it has 42 million customers. And I think that their, their big thing is the office. Yeah. Oh, so you know, when did they get? When did they get started? Uh, April of last year, or July, July of last year. Yeah. Wow. And so they have a big movie studio too, the Universal Library. NBC Universal. So it's fascinating that these legacy media companies. I think they're following in the footsteps of Disney and saying, you got Amazon, you got Netflix, they're taking over our industry. Netflix is making so much money with the streaming service, they're producing their own content. Amazon is producing fantastic content now. Um, we better start monetizing our content on our own platform because if you get to a point where there's just Netflix and Amazon Prime, then Disney is sort of beholden to them. So Disney wants to be masters of their own destiny. They make their own streaming service. Now CBS Viacom, that also owns Paramount Movie Studio, they say, we want to be masters of our own destiny too. They launch Paramount Plus. And NBC does the same thing with Peacock. It's a fascinating evolution of how streaming works. You have uh -huh. one guy with an idea, Netflix. They have first mover advantage. But these legacy companies have a lot of great content and the ability to figure this out. I'm sure it's way easier to launch a streaming service in 2021 than it was in 2012. So they're figuring this out. So one, you have first the first entrance, uh, Netflix, they're the first, so you have advantage there. Two, you have legacy that has content that can make the switch over. They have to switch over to, uh, to understand understand the space. So you have that. Uh, and then the third thing is variety. Uh, you have entertainment with movies and new uh, movies and TV, but then you have audio with Spotify, uh, Apple Music, and I'm seeing here uh, some other things I don't know. They're probably different from China. Serious, uh, uh, but then you have audio, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking here, David. Uh, let me uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, when I look at this, I see I see movies, I see TV, I see uh, music, audio, but way down here at the bottom, uh, Paramount and on this graphic, uh, stars ESPN. Okay, you got sports entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, they're twelve million. 
uh, Apple TV. At the very bottom is the New York Times. So is is journalism entertainment? Yeah, it's not really a streaming service. Um, but like if they had CNN Plus and all of your favorite anchors, not only do they do their nightly show or Fox News Plus. So Tucker Carlson does his nightly show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, but you can also click in and in the morning, he gets on like us and riffs about, you know, how bad Joe Biden is and how great being the heir to the Schwann's ice cream fortune is uh, for uh, two hours. And you only get that content if you subscribe to Fox News Plus. There's some people who they get 100% of their information from, and is that, is news content? Is news entertainment? It is. is it con- yeah, it is. People, and also, uh, what type of news is entertainment? Uh, and you, you've mentioned this, and we've talked about this. You turn on the news, and it's depressing, because it's this and that and that. Actually, there was another shooting that, in San Diego. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, that's news. Well, yeah, it's news, but sometimes people are drawn to that. Uh, sometimes they're drawn to anger. Sometimes they're drawn to uh, being enraged. Uh, and sometimes that's entertainment because it's emotional. Yeah. But I, I see the New York Times here. Uh, is that a streaming? It might, says it's might not, not a, be a Yeah, you can read it. Yes. Might not be a streaming service, but news publishers are also employing subscription-based economics. Yes. So, I mean, you kind of are streaming. Let's go to New York Times. I don't have a subscription anymore, but let's go to New York Times real quick. You're streaming content. It's just written word. You know, Mm -hmm. if I click Mm -hmm. on opinion... Witch hunt, meet grand jury. Those words will stream to my screen, and I read them. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So yes, it's not streaming video; it's streaming text. Mm-hmm. But they also do. New York Times is sort of getting with the times more than a lot of others. They have interactive maps and stuff. Um. So it's more than just print media. They're using the medium of the internet, I think, which is where they make most of their money now, not in the printed newspaper. They're using it in new ways. So you are sort of streaming something, or you're subscribing to something. That's what I was getting at. Uh, the streaming, just, we're talking about streaming movies, streaming uh, TV shows, uh, series, mm-hmm. uh, maybe streaming uh, uh, music. Uh, and then maybe streaming sports, uh, and, but then maybe streaming news, maybe streaming uh, uh, different types of news articles. Well, well, I just canceled my subscription. Speaking of subscription-based economics, I'm trying uh-huh. to make a go of it without using Photoshop and Adobe Premiere. The subscription price was very high for the, for the Adobe suite of products. They're very professional products. But I was basically streaming or paying a subscription for access to a library of software programs. And when you think about it, we pay 100 bucks a year for access to Microsoft Office, Office 365. Mm-hmm. So are we streaming those programs? Or sort of, they have a library of software programs. And we pay them for access to that library of programs. That's true. Because they keep updating, updating, updating. But if you stop paying them, it doesn't matter whether they update it. You won't have access to those programs. You'll have to use the free version, which is a limited functionality. Right. So, I mean, the digital world, it really lends itself to subscription-based services. Because I remember looking into Office 365 when we did it. And for the home and family plan, I was looking at it, and it's like ninety nine a year. You get all the apps. You get you know stuff that I've never used, like Access. Uh, but you get you know Publisher, PowerPoint, Excel, Word, the the big ones. And 
five people in the family can have it on up to five devices. So you could have 25 devices with it, and it's 100 bucks for the whole family. It's like, okay, what if I bought this? Well, each individual app is like 250 bucks. So for one person to deck themselves out with the suite of applications, it would be like 2,500 bucks. And say, well, this is a no-brainer. That's 25 years worth of subscription fees, assuming that the subscription always stays $100 a year. I mean, they could ramp it up in the future. But, I mean, we use PowerPoint at the beginning of each episode to sort of run the title card. And so, I mean, it's useful to have these things. It's... But we're subscribed to them. We don't really own the software. If we stop paying them, we stop using the software. We have to figure out a different way to go. And that's what I'm doing with my video editing and my photo editing. There are two, and I'll shout them out, free solutions. One's closed source, one's open source. The closed source solution for video editing is called DaVinci Resolve. I'm learning it now. Incredible program. Uh, It's owned by Blackmagic Design. And they're a hardware company, so I think that they try to make their software free to sort of, once you get used to that, as you become more professional, your first choice in terms of hardware will be their hardware because it matches with your software experience. And then the open source, totally free photo editor is called GIMP, the GNU Image Manipulation Program. Not as powerful as Photoshop. Photoshop is one of the most amazing programs in the world. But there's a team of open source developers making it available to anyone who wants it for free. And that's kind of cool. Gimp, you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the open source is fascinating because uh, you can develop things so quickly. And and, uh, and a lot of the, uh, uh, like R is that way, uh, Python, you'll have all these different modules in computing, in a computing power. And uh, you can have different modules to do all different kinds of things in business. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, look at OBS. That's what we're using to run this broadcast. That's yeah. a completely free and open source program. You can modify the source code. It's and it, it's an incredible piece of software that's perhaps more powerful than any paid solution on the market. It's fascinating that that it's free. It's crazy that people are willing to put the work in to make a polished, professional piece of software. And then just allow anyone who wants to, to use it for free. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're talking about streaming, but I think it'd be fascinating to talk about that someday. Yeah. Uh, uh, how uh, product offerings, uh, how how the mar- how marketing is being turned upside down on offering uh, free software. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do, how do people make money if they give things away for free? Well, they do. Uh, but how? And that that that's another that's another episode that's another topic, which would be fascinating to talk about someday, because that's something that everybody can do. Almost almost anyone get into that. Mm-hmm. And where whereas you have these big companies, the Netflix and Amazons and and uh, Disney doing this stuff, well, there's a lot of things that just individuals can do, in a very limited budget, and um, which. Uh, it's a whole new world. Yeah, and you can tie you can tie into these big companies, but you can create your own space as well. Well, I think of you know when you th- talk about open source, you got to talk about Linux, and right. the uh, inventor of the Linux kernel, Linus Torvalds. He came up with an operating system or a kernel that runs ninety percent of the internet servers. In the world, it's the operating system installed on the internet servers. It runs the internet, and you know, Gates is worth two hundred fifty billion. Bezos is worth six hundred billion. Zuckerberg's worth a hundred billion. Linus Torvalds is worth like a million or two because he gave it away for free. But the thing is, he seems to be fine with that decision because he feels like philosophically, software should be free. Now, of course, being you know, as expert as he is, people will pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to to sort of do his work because his work is essential, but it's not profit motivated. It's sort of creating something useful for the world as its own incentive. And I don't know, I think that's different people will have different reasons for living. And I think uh, you can have a happy life. Mm-hmm. To know to know that you've done something to help mankind. Yes, I mean that's that's sometimes that's much more valuable 
than having billions of dollars in the bank. That's true. I don't know. I don't. I don't have billions of dollars in the bank, but I don't know. I just. I just think it would be uh, more valuable. Uh, to have peace of mind on you've done something to help your fellow man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And then again, he's also responsible for all the bad things that ever happened on the internet too. <laughs> so you can look at it that way if you want to. So before, we, let's let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Um, let's go through the internet streaming services we've discussed. Okay. And give him a grade. Netflix, Give them a grade. the biggest. What, what, a grade for what? For what's the grading scale here? Well, we use Netflix. Do you like Netflix? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I think Netflix is still premier. They're still one of the best streaming services. They got great shows. Their original content is pretty entertaining. Next, Amazon Prime Video. I use that as well. What do you think of Amazon Prime Video? We don't watch it's that fun. quite. You don't watch it quite as much. I watch a lot of movies on Amazon Prime. I feel like they have more movies than Netflix does, because Netflix doesn't own a giant movie studio. So, I think that the selection of movies on Netflix has been growing smaller and smaller, and it's more films that Netflix produces. Spotify, you don't use, but I have. It's fine. I feel like I've chosen it by default because it was the biggest music streaming service. Back mm-hmm. in 2010, 2008, I was a subscriber to Rhapsody, which became Napster, which is a blast from the past name. But the support for new devices and the feature set, I just migrated to Spotify, which was the same cost. And I haven't looked back since 2013 or so. Disney Plus. Do you like Disney Plus? Uh, yeah, I like Disney movies. Yeah. I like Disney Plus. I like... The Disney, we've watched a lot of the Disney classics. I like the Pixar. Um, the Star Wars, the new stuff, I don't know, but the Mandalorian's pretty good. Uh, Marvel, you know, it's wish fulfillment. It's not my thing, but it's a lot of people like Marvel. One thing I love about Disney Plus is the huge National Geographic library. Oh, yeah. Those shows oh, are so chill. They'll put you to sleep, but they're classic. Oh. They're good content. They're really good shows, yeah. Now, before we get to the music, uh, just just a comment. You've skipped over Tencent, QIY, and Yoku, which is out of China. They're all Chinese, yeah. Yeah. So the Chinese also have their own streaming. Uh, that that's pretty large because they have so many people. Mm-hmm. And then we get into the music. Yes, and I don't use any of these. Well. I occasionally use the Amazon Music that's included with Prime. I think the reason why this number is lower is because they have a higher tier of music subscription. So your Prime, your Amazon Prime subscription gives you the full access to Prime Video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your Prime subscription only gives you an access to about 5 million songs. If you pay an extra 5 bucks a month, you get the same amount of songs as are on Spotify or Apple. Something like that. So it's an additional subscription to get the music service. I think this is Tidal. Never used it. Uh, so the next one that we have used is Hulu. I like Hulu. We got Rick and Morty on Hulu. I watch most of Top Chef on Hulu. There's decent shows on it. Now, my question is, with Disney owning it and Disney having their own subscription service and all of these production companies forming their own Paramount+, Plus, HBO Max, Peacock, are we going to see Hulu slowly dissolve into the brand specific because Hulu is one of the few where you get stuff from Warner Media, you get stuff from Disney, you get stuff from 21st Century Fox, you get stuff from all over the place. But now all those companies are starting their own streaming service. Is Hulu going to be the man in the middle? Yeah, Hulu is a good study, case study on uh, if you don't go with the big guys the big ones who have momentum and mass, uh, you're going to be torn apart or you're going to be moved around because you don't, you don't have the power to, to establish your own, your own uh, position in the market. Yeah. Is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah. Or, you know, anything that's not owned by Disney because Disney's the majority owner of Hulu. So a lot of their content, a lot of their most popular content belongs to 
one of these other companies that own their own streaming service. So are they, or we're going to see a lot of the most popular stuff on Hulu get stripped away and get reappropriated to Paramount Plus or get reappropriated to HBO Max or get reappropriated to Prime Video because they own the production companies. And, and they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of content, uh, you also mentioned, and I don't know if you want to mention it again, how Amazon uh, now with uh, MGM owns The Apprentice. Oh, yes. I saw some internet conspiracy theories about that because the MGM library was valued at $6 billion, and Bezos paid like eight and a half. And they're like, he just wants to get the raw tapes of Donald Trump, you know, flying off the handle in the outtakes of The Apprentice. And I'm like, I'm sure he's not going to spend two and a half billion dollars on that. He's a businessman. He's not a petty tyrant like some people we know. <laughs> no, but the point is he has that content mm-hmm. and, and he has all of that information. And information and data, information is power. Which is a, which is, and sometimes uh, it's not so much that you use it; it's that you have it, and you have the capability to use it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's as powerful as as using it. We have the threat of using it. The threat, the threat of using it. Yeah, the the perceived, the, not even the threat, the perceived threat of using it. Mm-hmm. That you can and you would. Uh, sometimes that's just as powerful. So the point is that this, this information can have, can have connections, uh, deep and broad, <laughs> much more than just entertainment. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're, your data information is power and it's getting into our society. Uh, yeah. And then the final three that we have are Paramount Plus, HBO Max and Peacock. I'm mm-hmm. leaving out ESPN Plus or Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Because I, I, I feel like those are legacy media brands. And I guess the point of this episode is to say Amazon bought MGM. And I think it was smart because all the other legacy brands, they're already tied up in their own streaming service. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like if any of those fail, if Paramount Plus fails, if HBO Max fails, if Peacock fails, you're going to have a bidding war between Netflix and Prime, Amazon, for uh, maybe even Disney, for that library. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the bidding war will be based on the value of their content or even parts of the content. How viable is that to the content they, they, that exists now mm-hmm. in each of those services? And it's fascinating what, what they have. Uh, and how this is going. And so what's going to happen is each of those is the big ones. That big, usually it's it's the top three to five, uh, the top, and it goes down pretty yep. fast as far as influence is concerned, the top three to five. What's going to happen is that how they manage themselves uh, depends on if they stay strong and how they become strong and how they remain strong. So it's yes. very It's fascinating. It's a very, very interesting uh, um, time we live in, David. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interesting thing to me is, as I'll just wrap up with my final thoughts, you know, Netflix has been around for 10 years. Prime has been around for 10 years uh, or maybe a little less, eight years. And in that time, they've become parts of our lives. Now you're seeing these brand new streaming services with really nice libraries sort of skyrocketing like Disney+. Plus. And you realize you don't need to sit next to some smelly guy eating a whole pizza to watch a movie. And I think the pandemic taught us this as well. I think the pandemic sped along this process. First-run movies are coming to streaming services. And I think that after the pandemic is over, these streaming services are going to realize we can make a lot of money you know, charging extra for our streaming services or having first-run movies as an enticement to subscribe. Because you'll buy the subscription, you'll forget to cancel it, and by the time you remember to cancel it, you'll have given us 80 bucks, and that's more than you would have spent at the theater. And we don't have to split that money with the theaters. So I do think that we're going to see a lot of that, and I'm all for it. 
I have a decent TV, nice audio, maybe not as nice as a movie theater, but you know what else is nice? Being able to lay on my couch and snack <laughs> and not pay 500 bucks for popcorn. So I'm all for streaming services. I, I think they're perhaps the best way to deliver content to the end user. Now, in terms of streaming services that aren't subscription-based, the greatest streaming service in the history of the world to date is YouTube. And that's where we are every day from 9 to 10, the Sons of Sequoia <laughs> podcast. But there's also a lot of other great content on YouTube if you know where to find it. Now, YouTube can lead you down a rabbit hole that Netflix or Prime Video won't or Disney+. Plus, But there is so much great content on YouTube, and we didn't even talk about that at all. No. But it is. Would you agree that it's the biggest and most impressive streaming service in the history of the world? It is. It's remarkable. And and because everyone's doing it, not everyone, but so many people are doing it, all different kinds of people do it. I do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all different kinds of information you can pull off of YouTube. And they have a great search search engine. It's just, it is remarkable. And it's yes, remarkable. 204 million people may pay for Netflix, but if you had the average monthly users of YouTube, it would dwarf that 204 million number. So, right. so yeah, so what I'm trying to say is this has been the Sons of Sequoia podcast. We're live every day on YouTube from <laughs> 9 to 10. If you want to see our faces, in addition to listening to the audio, which is available wherever you get your podcasts, we're all for streaming. We learned a lot about streaming today. Is there anything you'd like to say as we wrap it up? Okay, as we wrap it up, I think streaming is here to stay. It's going to change. It's going to grow. It's going to start moving into all different phases of our lives. Uh, one of many things. So, in the future, keep on talking. But when you talk, listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. Bye. Bye.